This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Which teaching are the disciples referring to in today's gospel? Take your pick. On the surface, Jesus makes one outrageous claim after another in this lengthy chapter from John. Maybe it's the promise from a few weeks ago that those who come to him will never be hungry that sticks in their craw. For a poor, colonized people sick of their crops being siphoned off by Rome, the claim sounds intriguing at first, until they realize that he isn't proposing military or political deliverance, at least not directly. Surely the call in this week's reading to eat his flesh and drink his blood didn't go over so well either. Perhaps, though, it's simply the promise of living forever that puts them over the edge. Taken at face value, these words aren't just difficult, they're absurd. Those gathered that day in first century Palestine knew better than we do the precariousness of life. They didn't need earthquakes or military coups or raging wildfires to remind them that our time on earth is precious and limited. They wanted better days, not just more of them. And if Jesus isn't offering a world with less hunger, less violence, less injustice, then the promise of living forever sounds more like a curse than a blessing. Besides, who is Jesus to make a case for living forever? Already we see him rejected. We're told that he'll soon be betrayed. Jesus himself says earlier in the chapter that the bread he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. So how do we take his words of eternal life seriously when he's holding his own life so lightly? What kind of life is he talking about? It's not supposed to work like this, by the way. Righteous people like Jesus, those who turn from evil and do good, who seek peace and pursue it, they're supposed to be delivered from their troubles, right? Or so claims today's psalm, many are the troubles of the righteous, we're told, but the Lord will deliver him out of them all. We might think this psalm doesn't apply to Jesus, the one who willingly gave his life, but our gospel writer thinks it does. As Jesus has taken down from the cross chapters later, John quotes this passage about God keeping safe the bones of the righteous. Not one of them shall be broken, he reminds us. This seems like rather cold comfort. So they didn't break his legs. They still crucified him. Whatever deliverance of the righteous looks like here, it is neither simple nor obvious. We could say that deliverance came for Jesus in the form of resurrection on Easter. And while that's true, there's a lot more to say than that. New life after death, yes, it is key to our faith. But that's not all that Jesus means when he talks about eternal life. For Jesus, eternal life starts now, in the middle of our messy lives, not just at the end. Whenever we are aware of God's eternal presence with us in the midst 
of our struggle for a better world, we're alive. We're alive in a different way. It's like seeing in color after a lifetime of black and white. Life becomes more than just an accumulation of days. It becomes a gift, one that we dare not waste. We start to see things we didn't see before. We hear things we didn't hear before. Both the beauty and the brokenness of the world come closer. Our hearts are filled more easily, and yes, they're also more easily broken. When the psalmist tells us that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, it's not just consolation. It's a prediction. Whatever deliverance might mean, it is not always or even mostly a way out of suffering. It's a way through. If the suffering of Jesus tells us anything about our own if it helps us make any sense of the horrors we're seeing on the news, perhaps it's that our typical explanations for why bad things happen to good people hold no water. His suffering was not a sign of God's punishment, nor was it a reflection of his value. In fact, it was his undying commitment to a world without hunger, without violence, without injustice that put him in the crosshairs. And yet, in staying connected to the source of his life, he found the strength to hold to the commitments that he had, come what may. He kept his integrity intact amidst the fiercest of assaults. He found the courage to withstand evil and to demonstrate in his body a love that is stronger than death. And if we can manage to follow in those footsteps and reflect even a piece of that strength, that integrity, that courage in our lives. I call that a win. I call it victory over the powers of evil and death. I might even call it deliverance. To be clear, Jesus' disciples were not wrong in naming the difficulty of his teaching we're given a lot to wrestle with here. But what's the alternative? Some false promises about an easy ride for those who manage to always stay on the right side of the line? Some cheap pablum that asks nothing of us and only locates God on the other side of suffering? Jesus' words of eternal life are neither simple nor obvious but neither is the life we're called to live. Our time here is precious and limited, and as our headlines remind us, life is a gift, one that we dare not waste. So where in your life is Jesus challenging you, calling forth strength, integrity, or courage from you? Wherever and however he is leading you through, that is, is what deliverance looks like. In the name of the one who thinks too much of us to make it easy. Amen. <laughs>